For everything Buccaneers, it, 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 it's Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. Now, now, here's your hosts, Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. What's going on, Bucks fans? Welcome to a new episode of Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns, where you get all of your Bucks insight as well as entertainment. And when I tell you, Kaylee and I have both for you today on this post-game podcast where the Bucks unfortunately just fell to the Packers. And while this game was was of course already predicted to be a tight one, close call, whatever you whatever you want to call it, um, let's just say it didn't really play out to 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 earn this score the way that you would think. Um, I'm not going to go too much further than that because I think it's only going to be better for Kaylee and I to both explain it from both of our perspectives. But be sure you guys are following us at Jolly Rogers TDS for game coverage, team coverage. Once again, that insight, that entertainment. Also, whenever we sail into a new week, we have three podcasts released on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on your morning drive or with your morning coffee. With that said, Kaylee, my dear friend, how are you? How did you hold up watching that game? I know I feel like I needed the most caffeine ever in my entire life <laughs> to get through every every drive, not even quarter, every drive I needed more caffeine. Yeah, Casey, I don't I feel like we have to bring the entertainment value in this episode because I don't know how much the game brought it. So uh I guess Casey and I will be the fun for you guys this week because that was um not great. Um, I do have to, first of all, give a big shout out to my dad, Marlon. Uh, it is his birthday today. So I'm sorry Bucks didn't get open on your birthday, but <laughs> I still love you. And I think you're the best uh, dad and pops that uh, we could ever ask for. And I'm oh. really proud to be your daughter. So love you, dad. And that is my, my shout out. That's my shout out happiness for today, because there's a lot of uh, things that did not make me happy, Casey, <laughs> things that upset me. I might, I was thinking, I don't know if they deserve even me getting fired up, but maybe I will get fired up because I'm, I'm starting to think about it and it's really upsetting me. You might get walk the plank Kaylee, the entire episode. Today. I don't know. I'm not saying a hundred percent. I could get fired up. I was feeling a little apathetic and frustrated, mm -hmm. but you know what? Maybe, maybe I don't, but I just don't know if they deserve my anger. I don't know if they deserve it. It's just, it's a bit, it's a pull out a lot of emotions. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm tired. I, there's just like this roller coaster that I'm on and I'm sure you're on it too. Yeah. So yes, the only way to find out where we're going to lean is to, to dive on in. It was an ugly, ugly game. Uh, Green Bay ends up scoring 14 points. I think the score made it that much uglier. But yeah, well, and then just how it happened because it was like so early. So the final score was 14-12. The Bucks fall in part because of a missed two-point conversion that, that mm -hmm. could have, you know, tied the game uh, at least, right? Um, Some overtime action. Yeah, which which would have been nice or at least fun to see. Um, but it was kind of a letdown, you know, in this whole like, Brady versus, um, you know, Rogers 
maybe the last time we'll see them, you know, it was kind Very of underwhelming final. Yeah, it just was kind of like, what, what are we, what are we watching here? And Casey, I don't know. I know that we, I know that we usually do offense and then defense, but I'm just wondering, I'm just going to put it to you. Do we want to do, do we want to go into the, like, are, are we a bad news first in uh, podcast? Or are we a good news first podcast? Because that's going to frame how we go about this. I'm going to, okay. I'm actually going to go with bad news first. So bad news first. On a happy note, you know, it's, it's okay. been a long day. Let's, yeah. let's, just wind let's get the down bad out of the way. Yeah. Okay, so I might get a little fired up here. So we're going to go offense first because that's the bad <laughs> news. The <laughs> offense was not good. From um, the entire game, top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no it just good. it just did not. You know, I I like, gosh, I don't even know where to go. I felt for everyone, but also they all had a role to play. Um, it just seemed like, and it seems still like the Bucks cannot get things done offensively. They've struggled. Wow. The entire season with Tom Brady at the helm, getting things done offensively, getting to the end zone. They've scored more points this season. Like Ryan Suckup has scored more points for the Bucks <laughs> with field goals than I think that they've scored in touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, and that alone, when you have Tom Brady as your quarterback is ridiculous. And I know, I know they have a few guys out. Chris Godwin's out. You got Mike Evans suspended. Julio Jones is out, but still not one single guy. Guess what? Aaron Rodgers doesn't have guys to pass to. He still figured it out. With a deficient, a deficient list as well. I mean, it's just, the, it's, it's not like, like the defense is, oh, it is, is, is overpowering. It's not like it's, the most amazing defense in the NFL. Like you're gonna play tougher defenses than you saw today with the Packers, and mm -hmm. you still could not get it done. And I don't. I mean, aside from getting healthy, I don't know where you go from here. Yeah, and you. Okay, so you said something that actually just really. Okay, I'm awake now. Here we are, guys. Because I think if there's one thing that that's going to hurt this team's, I don't want to say hurt their ego, but be a, a wake-up call for this team, is that playing the Packers today was very much like looking in a mirror. But yeah. you, that mirror really made you question, where can this team go? Because heading into the game, they had a dwindling wide receiving core list. You know, Aaron Rodgers out there throwing to rookies. And I was at the Senior Bowl evalu evaluating these kids, Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs. And Dubs didn't really surprise me. I thought he was going to be more of a developmental wide receiver who, you know, got better on year three, year four. I didn't think he was going to be the go-to guy who becomes a Swiss Army knife tearing apart the Bucks' defense if you will. So imagine playing a team that just has so many similarities to you. Yeah. They're still finding a way to get the job done. Yep. That's very, that's a, that's a big ego check there. And yeah. that, that's even deeper than Rogers versus Brady because you've got Alan Lazard. Well, you know, Rashad Perriman's been in this league for how long? Russell Gage was supposed to be this a uh, way more of a contender um, in this offense than, than he's giving 
a role to be. And I get it. He might be on a snap count because of the hamstring situation. And I know injuries plague, but it's playing on both sides. Lazard has been limited participation. Didn't play in the last couple of games. Like the equivalence there in terms of the dwindling accountability in the wide receiving room. And, you know, they have Jones and Dylan. Bucks have Leonard Fournette. Rashad White hasn't seemed to produce the way that he's supposed to. Why is Keyshawn Vaughn not dressing out when he's been your end zone guy in tough games? Regardless, like there's just so many question marks here. So my first thing, the first thing that comes to mind with this awful mirror that you have to look in and say, how can they get it done and we can't, is it starts at the head. We've got to talk about the coaches a little bit here. Yep. We've got to talk about some of the play calling. You get a you you fall short on a play and you decide to come up and follow up with a trick play with the butterfingers that you have been dealing with all game. I mean, come on. I wanted, I wanted to just dismiss myself. I wanted to fire myself on behalf of everybody else and just exit the stadium and call it because how do you call a trick play after this? When you've already seen that there's no accountability in these wide receivers, What's the first thing that they say? And I, people are going to be like, why are we talking about hockey? Because hockey just makes it make sense. Okay, guys? Keep it simple. Play your game. Yeah. You don't also, a trip. One, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Like, not cool. Not great. But what? You whip out a trick play? Yeah. That's keeping it simple. That's applying to your strengths on this really questionable roster at the moment. Yeah. So that's that's just kind of that's kind of an overview, Jolly Roger. Yeah, it seemed desperate, Casey. It seemed desperate, and 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 this shouldn't be a desperate team. By no means. No, not when you have. So I I know some of the guys were out. I get it, mm-hmm. but this should not be a desperate team. There's too much talent. Yep. When you have the greatest quarterback of all time, like. There's too much talent. This should not be a desperate team. And a play like that is desperate. Mm-hmm. And that's Very not how goals. you that's not how you that's not how you win games. Clearly, they didn't win. And that play landed them in shambles. Like it was it you know what I mean? They lost 12 yards on that play. Like yeah, sure, yeah like you know, like they recovered the fumble, but like it, nothing was 12 yards. It's, it's not, it's not, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just not smart. It's not good play calling. Mm-hmm. And it, and Casey, it makes me question like, was it, and I'm not questioning Todd Bowles. I think that, uh, clearly we'll get to the defense. What he's doing is fantastic, but it mm-hmm. makes me question a little bit like, was it the right time for for Bruce to leave? Was it the right – you know, like, this yep. offense needs something. And what they're working with is not it. And I know Bruce is, like, still in the front office. I know that, like, he still has conversations and whatnot. But he's not calling plays. Right. He's not out there. He's not doing it. And it it's makes – It's Leftwich. It's Leftwich. And we – or at least me – yeah. To an extent, I thought that Brady was going to be more involved in that decision-making process of, of the plays being called, but it's it's very apparent when it's a Byron Leftwich call, and that's frustrating. 
Yeah. It's very frustrating. I mean, even opening up the game, starting with offense, um, Packers won the toss, deferred it over to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay gets their first offensive strides. They moved along well. It was very, it was a very hopeful opening. I should mention that. It was a very hopeful opening. But then you started to see the ripples in the tides and then where they started kind of basically beating themselves and then having to forego to a field goal. And then at that moment is when it was like, oh, crap. Is this team, not that they rely on defense, but is it going to come back down to the defense winning this game for them? Exhausting themselves, being on the field too much, constantly coming in, them having to get turnovers, whatever the case may be. And as soon as the Packers look strong enough to, to, to power forward, this offense just continued to fall apart. You know, running the ball back. I mean, back to back to back three runs with Leonard Fournette in a row. Why? Why would you do that? They don't have the strongest secondary, you know, and then the Packers lose um, Jerry Alexander, if I said his name correctly, one of their top cornerbacks. You know, he goes out with a groin injury. He ends up being questionable. That should have been or at least me from my perspective. I'm like, OK, they just lost one of their top corners. Let's see if we can get these air balls going a little bit more. Let's see if we can open things up in, you know, in the air versus constantly trying to have Leonard Fournette go back to back to back or doing those first down runs or doing these predictable plays. And don't get me wrong. I get it. The wide receivers aren't very accountable, but then what? How are they going to, how are they going to get up to speed there? Rashawn Perriman did a much better job, but he only had three receptions for 44 yards. Then you have Russell Gage with 12 receptions for under 100 yards. And he had one fumble. Or, yeah, he had, like, one fumble. And then Scotty Miller, I mean, I can't even root for him anymore because, unfortunately, I think that he's just so – he's living in such fear to where he's he is beating himself. He's not performing. He is dropping everything that comes his way. And speaking of that weird trick play that they tried to pull off, in a in in a very untimely manner, he's the one that drops the pass. Yep. On the reversal. Yep. I just it felt like it felt like they had no plan at all. That's what it felt like. Well, and and because and because everyone is so, I don't I don't know if they just so onto that. I don't know if they just assumed that their defense was going to like win it for them again Uh, but it yeah it just seemed like it was inconsistent it didn't seem like the same to your point like you knew when who was calling what plays and like the even the play calling didn't seem consistent the plan didn't seem consistent and from my perspective someone needs to take ownership there needs to be one person that everyone believes in and that person needs to take ownership and be able to move this team forward. Yeah. But you can't have, you can't have three cooks in the kitchen fighting Mm -hmm. over who's how they're going to make the recipe. Like it's not going to work. You can't have everybody fighting over how they're going to run this offense. But what you need to do is play to your strengths. You have a fantastic quarterback. You Mm -hmm. have a really great running back. In fact, you have more than one, like if Lenny is not ready to go, like I think Keyshawn has shown us some really great stuff. Um, right. 
You have some tight ends that, that, that can get a few things done. And you know what? If you can't do the long plays, take a cue from the Packers and just move the ball. Mm-hmm. Just move the ball. It wasn't, it wasn't, they just need to be more creative. They're not being strategic or creative right now. And they whatsoever. don't have to be outlandish doing so. They can be simple and switch things up, you know, because like, correct. Look out to me. Kyle Rudolph, somebody that I've been waiting to waiting for him to suit yeah. up forever now. He finally suits up. He gets one great catch. One great catch, stays in bounds, gets them moving down the field. Did we ever see that again? No. It was Cameron Brait, which Cameron Brait was awesome. He was very helpful. He drew in a penalty for one. He he was so aggressive in trying to fight for yards. But in the same sense, Cameron Brait is a, is very much a you know one particular style kind of tight end. Yeah, exactly. Why didn't they play off of that a little bit more? Cameron Bray, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph got limited to one role. And if you're telling me that Rudolph still doesn't know the Bucks system by week three after signing the first day of training camp, then somebody somebody's not doing their homework. Somebody's not securing their job. Somebody's not doing their job. Rudolph should know enough by now to be uh, an accountable person in that system. One catch, you use your tight end for one catch. Leonard Fournette nearly had 30 less rushing yards than he did against the Saints. And we saw how the Saints, quote unquote, contained Lenny, if you will. Lenny's a strong player. He fights hard and he made some plays look amazing out there. But then when you look at the stats and realize he only rushed for, what, 35 yards, 32 yards? That's insane. Yep. And then you continue to just continue to hand him the ball over and over and over again. You use Kyle Rudolph one time. You continue to go to Cameron Bright, who once the point of contact happens, sometimes he can be he can lose yards. You know, he's not the he's not the most stout tight end, if you will, but he's still great and he's still contributed and he's still helpful. But you don't continue to overwork that. You just keep putting yourself in situations to be predictable and then. When you do switch it up, you do these outlandish things that just make no sense. It seemed like there was no game plan, no point of attack to handle the Packers' defense. You know, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, we talked about this. We talked about this with Cameron – or Cameron, Carmen. Gosh, she would kill me if she knew I almost said that. We talked about this with Carmen, and even Carmen was, you know, very honest to the fact of, like, how much more powerful this Bucks defense should be in comparison. You're going up against these guys in practice. You're telling me that with one of the fastest release quarterbacks in the league and one of those wide receivers couldn't get it together or some of those tight ends couldn't get it figured out to where you can start throwing underpasses and get this team moving down the field? And it, yeah, it, 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 to me it makes no sense what they're not able to affect. It, it's just like you can't force it. You can't force what you don't have. You have to play to your strengths. When you know that – it seems probable that Mike Evans is going to be out. You have to go back. You have to go back to the drawing board. You have to rethink your game plan for the offense. You have to use the weapons that you have, and you do have weapons. The other thing, Casey, is that they're taking stupid penalties. Oh, my first- God. Okay, so let's look at this. In the first, so after that first drive, which we said, like, they were able to do a little bit in that first drive. Mm-hmm. They're not, they don't get into the end zone, but they get a field goal. So you get some points on the board. Yeah. Better than nothing. Mm-hmm. The next two drives, they take 
20 yards worth of penalties, three penalties, and the next two drives, and it buries them. They can't do anything. They can't do anything because they're already having difficulty moving the ball. And then you you give yourself the very first drive after that. Yeah. They get an offensive holding penalty on the very, on first and 10, and it makes it first and 20. And then they just can't dig themselves out of that hole. They have to go punt. What happens the next drive? Okay, well, they have to punt again. You know what? They had two false starts in that drive. Yeah. They're digging themselves into a hole, and they're not able to dig themselves out of it. And at that point, that's why you get the you get the desperate plays because mm-hmm. it's these it's this it's this you know first and twenty th- third and. 17 and you have these like oh you have to overcome you have to get so much yardage and then you do this stupid trick play to try yep. to overcome these things it and that's why you're acting desperate like there's so many things that you need to clean up you cannot take these stupid penalties it's like the the packers had eight penalties 65 yards the bucks had six penalties so less penalties but they had him for 60 yards. So the penalties were severe enough to where they're getting 60 y- only five yet less yards, but mm-hmm. two less penalties. And I mean, it frankly, it's the reason they lost the game. You get the delay of game penalty. And so costly. So costly. It it matters. You have to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. And for a team that has so many veterans, issues last year, too. For so many, for it, it, they they're veterans. You mm-hmm. cannot have these penalties. It's costing you the game. It's costing yep. you the game. And it's just something that has to be addressed. And, you know, it, it's a question that our producer just put into the chat, and we have to talk about it. How much do we blame Tom Brady for the delay of game at the end right. of the game? And that's a great question because here's the thing. Of course, he was asked about it in his post-game press conference and kind of talked in circles around it about the fact that they need to execute. He didn't answer the question. He just kind of took a deep breath and said they need to execute and then went into this long-winded response, which, you know, if Tom Brady gives more than a, a sentence response, then we all get swept up in it because he's talking to the media, not realizing, and which, I mean, we all realize, I'm sure, but, like, not particularly realizing in the moment that he didn't not only answer the question, but he just kind of went off on a whole different thing. And so the tangent was just the fact of how they need to execute and offense needs to do better and there needs to be ball security and, oh, all very factual, but nothing about the fact of how did – this delay of game really play out. Who's going to be held accountable for that? Because it has to be someone. Well, and here's the thing. A lot of times, um, or, you know, maybe not, not in the severe percentage, but a good amount of times when delay of game takes place, it's the quarterback, but it's because he's waiting on somebody or it's, it's waiting for the lineup. It's a communication thing. It's um, always a communication yeah. thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like, but then you're you, waiting on someone, you think, you think there's going to be a timeout or you're waiting on a play or you're waiting on this. Like, it's always a communication thing. And it's like, that's fixable. You're playing at home. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like, it's not even that loud. Like, here and why? You're, what is happening? Like, it's not mm-hmm. like you're in enemy territory and you can't hear anyone and communication needs to be a factor. Like, it did not need to be a factor mm-hmm. in this game in that moment in particular. 
Yeah. When you know how important this moment is, like you just went down and, and, and had this fantastic drive. And then this, like, it's just, these penalties are so costly. They're so timely. And that is what is so costly about them. And it's not always the, you know, the young guys or the guys that are coming in and stepping up for, you know, the ones and the twos that are out either. There was multiple times or not multiple, but you know, Scotty Miller's number shouldn't be getting called for a penalty. You should know this. You should understand how to function in this system right now and play disciplined football. Why are you getting called? You know, it wasn't one of those games where it was like, Oh my God, the refs are terrible. Like, no, it was what it was going through you guys' mind. So kind of in a way, honestly, if I if I had to give a, a, a more definitive answer to do I think that the, the, the delay of game was on Tom, I want to more so say no. I want to say no because the, the quarterback is your conductor. They have to make sure that, that that communication is is understood on both ends before they're going to snap the ball because especially in a moment like that, that would have been a wasted snap. You would have lost the play. So yep. I think the delay of game was him relaying the message to somebody and there being a miscommunication or the communication didn't feel confident enough to go ahead and get the play underway, which that's frustrating because you're working with people that should know what's going on because with that play, it was supposed to go to Russell Gage. Russell Gage has been here long enough to know what his job is. That shouldn't have been an issue. Rashad perriman has been here long enough to know what his job is. He's been with the Bucs multiple times. You know, Scotty Miller has been here long. So there's nobody who has the excuse that, Oh, you know, they're still getting up to speed, whatever, whatever. Everybody there should have known their job, their assignment, and been ready to execute. So now that I'm thinking back on it, that's probably why he took the whole roundabout on executing and then kind of dwindled into ball security and then dwindled in because him and Coach Bowles did say in their in their postgame pressers that there was a lot of mental errors and miscues. We're in week week three and you're having miscues and mental errors on both sides of the ball. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. That's insane. If there was, and if it was limited or, you know, because it's a fast moving game, I understand, but it shouldn't be happening to the happening to this, to this point. It shouldn't be happening this often. It shouldn't be happening week three versus the green Bay Packers, whom there's been so much conversation about them being a difficult package team to play against. And they were just this weird mirror to look into and realize, Hey, this is where we need to clean up. This should have been a much different game, tight score still, but a much different game. It should have in a lot of ways. And we're going to begin to transition to the defense. But Casey, one final wrapping up thought. We'll give uh, both of us have a a final wrap up thought on the offense. I think my wrap up thought is this. I was really looking forward to this offense. Yeah. Really looking forward to. We know Tom Brady can still do it. It's not a question of. Does he have the talent? Does he have the arm? Is he capable? There have been frustrating things that have happened along the way. Mm -hmm. You've had guys get hurt. I get it. It sucks. But it's a part of the game that you have to deal with. Yeah. And something needs to happen. And hopefully this is the game that was the wake-up call. Mm -hmm. But something needs to happen, whether that's an adjustment in game plan, an adjustment in strategy, playing to your strengths. I have not seen, I feel disappointed because we have not seen the Tom Brady we're used to. Mm -hmm. We have not seen what this offense is truly capable of. Again, in part because some guys are hurt, but it it has been disappointing every single week. Mm -hmm. And 
They need to figure it out. Even if that means changing the strategy, changing it up, figuring something different out. Yeah, I, t- I definitely agree. Um, there's a lot of big conversations that are going to have to take place and they're going to have to figure out how to game plan around this team that they're going to have moving forward for at least the next couple of weeks. And well, I'm sure some people are going to be like, you know, the injuries, the this, the that, and you guys are, you know, not giving them enough slack for that or you're not being realistic. No, in a way I am being realistic because, you know, game planning and heading into the game versus the Cowboys. It was a tough defense that they were going to go up against. We're talking about Micah Parsons who got his hand on Tom Brady twice with the offensive line that we already knew was going to be a bit deficient. So they have been planning and and game planning around deficiencies since coming out of training camp. And I know, I feel strongly about the fact that this team already knew that Julio Jones wasn't feeling 100% because heading into week one, there was – definitive conversations around Julio Jones being on a snap count. There just was no conversation as to why you don't put a player on a snap count just because Russell Gage is on a snap count because he got banged up in training camp and he's never been fully healthy since. And they're trying to give him unlimited reps where he can help the team and then also recover, which, you know, makes sense and doesn't make sense in a sense because he almost got banged up on one play where it was like, okay, now the Bucks probably almost lost him for a couple of weeks, but thank God he bounced back. So coming out of training camp, they had a bit of an idea of how realistic this offense was going to be for at least a few, the first couple of weeks. So I'm not giving them much wiggle room. They face two great defenses out of the gate. Cowboys have a great defense, and so do the Saints. Cam Jordan, once again, somebody who was all in there and got his hands on Tom Brady. How do you come in here and just completely fall apart with Rashawn, or yeah, Rashawn Gary and, and Preston Smith? And, and just you're not – it just looked like they didn't have a game plan. That's that's what my my last summary of it. It didn't look like they had a plan. I know a lot of it was drop passes and stuff, and they're going to have to figure that out. If you can't trust your wide receivers and the only thing you can do is run the ball, okay, use Leonard Fournette as much as you can, but it's time to dress Keyshawn Vaughn. Enough yep. of this. Yep. Rashad White is a brand-new kid to this, and he's, he, he can be a contributing factor, but he probably still needs time to get caught up on the system and find his confidence and find his stride. Let's make realistic, sm- simple, smart moves now. Yep. There's no heading into week four having certain guys inactive, certain guys active, and still re- relying on the same plays that just don't move forward. So not with the schedule you have, not with the teams you have to play. It's not – no. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Figure it out. But aside of all that, seems like they have it figured out pretty well, or at least, you know, figure even whenever they had some miscues, figured it out eventually is this defense. This mm-hmm. defense held this team together today. Casey, they only allowed 14 points. They, they allowed one touchdown in the first quarter, one touchdown in the second quarter, and then shut this Green Bay team down the whole second half and it was really really impressive I was a little nervous I'll 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 be honest on the first two drives when uh when they gave up those touchdowns I was I was nervous and I was frustrated because it just did not seem like the defense that we were used to Mm -hmm. but then they came together They got a hold of themselves, and then they were able to hold the Packers to just those 14 points. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it really is incredible what this Tampa Bay defense did. 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. And there's multiple people that I'm impressed by, but, but Casey, I'm going to throw it over to you. Mm -hmm. Why do you think they were able to come together and hold the Packers to just those 14 points after giving up those first two touchdowns? I will say what they did well, even though they had a very sleepy first half and then they came alive in the second half and started to play more like that defense that we have seen in the first two weeks, um, they managed – they still had pretty good management on third downs. Um, there was a couple of very significant third down shutdowns that they had. Um, Logan Hall being one of them, the rookie D tackle, he gets his collects his first NFL sack, and it was on a crucial third down where they ended up forcing the Packers to pump the ball. So their third down management was still very good, and I think that's what kept the score is so close, so low. And especially in the second half of the game, they managed the Packers so well. They contained them so well. Because if you were watching the game, well, from wherever you were watching the game, you did see Aaron Jones out there getting some plays and A.J. Dillon, and then it was just like, crap. It, it, it feels like a lot more than it actually is. What it played out to be is that Aaron Jones had 12 carries, but he was almost equivalent to Leonard Fournette's performance. He only got 36 yards. AJ Dillon, another 12 carries, but he was at 32 yards. Put that together, obviously they get nearly over 70 yards together or nearly 70 yards together, but it was wide receiver, rookie wide receiver, all caps, Romeo Dubs that was just slicing in between. And that's where I grew frustrated watching this team because I'm like, wait a minute. How do you have this secondary? How do you call yourself grave diggers and you're being run all over on slant routes? And, you know, Carlton Davis just managed Michael Thomas, who calls himself slant boy. And then you've got this rookie coming in who didn't, who's not supposed to have this large role. And he's just slicing them up with these slant routes and nobody's holding him down. Antoine Winfield Jr. got burned on multiple plays, and that was surprising. You didn't hear his name much whatsoever. Dubs, with eight receptions, got 73 yards and one touchdown. Then you have Randall Cobb, who was on the injury list all week, and it was a very grim view of whether or not he was even going to participate. He ends up coming in and contributing two very significant receptions for 57 yeah, for 57 yards. Then you have Alan Lazard who comes in for four receptions and 45 yards. They were just able to kind of like shift around. It wasn't, it wasn't as much as you saw and heard Romeo Doves' name. It wasn't obvious what the Packers were going to do. And Aaron Rodgers is a great car, a great quarterback. He, he doesn't give away his reads that much, you know, secondary does have to prepare for him very different. He was very prepared for this secondary. He talked about Antoine Winfield Jr. And the player that he is, um, you know, leading into the week and whatnot. So again, it just looked like the Packers came in more prepared to face a strong defense versus, you know, what the Bucks did. So while you, it just tells you how good a team is if they can be sleepy for a half and then come together and still manage to contain a team to 14 points and really shut them down entirely in the second half. But they needed to play a full game of football because if they did, and some people, this kind of pissed off a few people. Because towards the end of the game, I tweeted, I said, imagine if the Bucks defense would have um, played like this in the first half. And everybody's like, oh, but it's not the Bucks defense. It's the offensive line. It's the offense. It's the drops. It's the wide receivers. And that's not what I was talking about. I wasn't placing blame, everybody. I was saying, imagine if they showed up for four quarters. That would have been a six and three game versus a yep. 14 and 12 game. Totally. Yep. You know? 100%. And 
Yeah. So the defense did well. I'm, I just, they weren't as electrifying to watch. Um, Levante David was probably my stand. One of, one of the guys on the defense where I was like, wow, thank God <laughs> Levante David plays for this team because it was those crucial moments that he would, and you just saw with every grit and grind in his, in his, in his body and his willpower, him just charging to make these plays to shut them down. Um, but it was also Mike Edwards that probably led in tackles, nine total tackles, four assists. It was Jamil Dean that ended up coming up with the one interception. Uh, and Carmen gave us a great stat on um, the previous Jolly Rogers and touchdowns episode about um, we're going to clip it and put it up there. And I also post it on the socials, but Jamil Dean was one of the few guys that got a very crucial interception off of Aaron Rodgers, And I think it was the NFC championship, but I want to quote this properly, but it was, it was kind of a poetic justice moment that out of everybody, the one interception that came from the Bucks defense was Jamil Dean. Did um, they end up giving it to him? Uh, no, they didn't. They didn't. They called it back. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember tweeting, don't make a scene, Dean, and being very excited. And then my hopes and dreams were just crushed. Like Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the play where there were like too many um, 12 players on the field, which is crazy. How? Yeah. Yeah. How? How do you make these kind of mistakes? Yeah. That's, that's another frustrating thing. Yeah. It's. I don't know how, I don't know how, um, but I, I, I think, I think what you're saying is fair. I think it's not all perfect. It's not all sunshine and rainbows on the Bucks defense, at least, right? Like they did play well specifically in the second half. Mm -hmm. um, however, there is more that could have been done and it, uh, it, you know, it, it just wasn't exactly what you wanted to see, mm -hmm. especially considering the fact that you weren't really seeing much from the offense. Um, I would have liked to see a little bit more from the defense faster. And something that you said, Casey, that, that, that I think you said it about the offense. And I think that what the defense, what they were able to do is that they were able to make adjustments, right? Mm -hmm. Almost any time you're playing a sport, it is about the game of adjustments. Who is able to adjust better to strategy, yeah. to role, to whatever you're doing. And frankly, it didn't seem like either side of the ball came in overly prepared and having an overly good strategy to mm -hmm. take on this Packers team, which again, that's a coaching issue. That's something right. that should be on the coaches. And I don't think the job was done well enough mm -hmm. on either side of the ball. However, what did happen on the defensive end is that they made adjustments, right? Is that they flipped things around is that they started covering the routes better because you're right at the beginning of this game, the Packers were running all over the field mm -hmm. at home on the bucks, which yeah. we haven't even brought up the fact that this was a home game. This was the first the home opener. opener. And this is the performance that you give your fans. This is the performance that you give everybody here in Tampa to a packed Raymond James stadium, which is the largest attendance in history, by the way, 69,197. Yeah. And, and, and for that performance to be what it was, I mean, 
I don't think it's too strong to say that it was embarrassing, that it was, mm-hmm. it was an, a, an embarrassing performance uh, yes. overall. Um, but what the defense did well is that, is that they adjusted. They yeah. realized that <laughs> we like, you can't let your guy just run all over you. You can't leave the field wide open. You can't leave these receivers wide open, which you were doing in the first half. You can't yeah. do that. That's not how you play this game. Mm-hmm. You're going to get run over how if do you continue to do that just like you did. I know. Crazy, <laughs> right? My <laughs> Don't leave the field wide open. Don't leave the receivers. Like, Maybe have some coverage. Maybe we should let us coach. Oh gosh, now now I'm getting fired up a little bit. Okay, bring (laughs) it down, Kaylee. This is the part where you weren't supposed to be so riled up. I know the strategy did not seem on point going Mm -hmm. into this game from the entire coaching staff. Yes, but the defense adjusted, and I have to give them credit for adjusting. I have to give them pre- credit for the way that they played in the second half. It is not easy to hold this team to to no points in a half, and they did that, and that yeah. is impressive in and of itself. Did they play four quarters? No, they didn't. But they did show up in the second half and try to give their team a chance, mm-hmm. and I think that they did give their team a chance. Um you know, Logan Ryan ended up picking off Rogers, which, you know, was great to see. Um, yes. Really, really liked his performance today. Um, and in fact, he he might be, you know, my standout player just because, you know, he got turnovers in a game. He was the only interception on either side of the ball today. He mm-hmm. was the only interception. And to to face a guy like Aaron Rodgers and get the only interception in a game. I think that that deserves some credit. So he's my standout player. Casey, uh, kind of transitioning to that. I'm, I'm sure I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be a, a defensive guy. Uh, yeah. Who is your standout player for the game? I don't, I don't frankly, I don't know if I have anybody on offense, but um, <laughs> Ryan is my guy for, for defense. I can fish a little bit for offense. I'm, I'm just tough. I think I think any Bucks fan that's disappointed right now is just tough on this team's performance because there was so much excitement leading into the season. It's very clear that the defense has won them their first two games, and you know there's another tough opponent coming up back at Raymond James Stadium. And of course, nobody thought that they were going to clear out and win out. Um, but if you're going to lose, you got to do it in a little bit more of a of a of a good fight fashion, if you will. So that that's just where I'm coming from with, with my analysis on the game. But as for my standout player, um, there are a, there are a handful of guys that I was very much excited to watch. Uh, but I, I think I definitely have to give a big shout out to rookie Logan Hall for a number of reasons. First of all, collecting his first NFL sack. That's amazing. Week three mm-hmm. of your rookie career and, and your and you've now opened the gates of that of those opportunities for yourself. That's huge. I got a chance to talk with him in the locker room. And um, the other thing too is like just thinking of the adjustment that he had to make playing without Akeem Hicks near him. You know, so his role, his responsibility, that also increased heading into this game. And he was he was vicious. I think he did 
very well. Um, I think he got his reward with his first NFL sack and he just has this humbleness to him. So when I got a chance to ask him, you know, about the sack and what it's like to get that past him, he's like, it's something to build off of and, you know, really add up to more sacks. Of course it's pure chaos in the locker room. So I did want to follow up and ask if he had a, you know, a sack total goal for the season, but I think I can guess what he would say just because of his whole demeanor. It's just more like whatever he can get, he's just going to continue to put his best foot forward and, and see how that plays out. I don't think he likes to put a number out there because he doesn't want to limit himself and he's still learning. So I totally respect that. You don't want to limit and put yourself at a standard while you're still growing in something that's so, that's so new to you at such a, at such a different level. So Logan Hall is going to be mine. If I had to pass out a little bit of gold, gold nuggets here and there to a few other people, um, Joe Tryonchenko, I know we've talked about him on Jolly Rogers and touchdowns quite a bit, you know, training camp week one, week two, um, from a different perspective, and you you nailed it on the head, Kaylee, when you mentioned the importance of being able to adjust. Even though the first half was a bit of a snooze fest for this Bucks defense, it was the fact that, and there was moments where JTS just wasn't playing well. It was he was struggling to get off the edge. He was kind of, um, you know, missing his targets just by just by a smidge. But when I tell you this kid came back out in the second half and just all of a sudden had a whole new pair of eyes and was just locked in, I mean, if anything, he was maybe one of the motors along that defensive line to start helping them rev up and and produce. So I definitely have to give some credit to to Joe Tryon Shanko because he was an impact player. And in my opinion, he was fighting hard to get to Aaron Rodgers. Um, But then – you look at guys like the veteran presence of Evita Vea, and I know his workload and the ask of him in, on that line is is a lot, but I was just I was disappointed by the lack of spark and excitement. You know, Devin White has had back-to-back huge performances, and I think he closed out with three total tackles, two assists, and it's just like, where was Devin White tonight? Where was the horse? Where was Get Live? Where was just but all of that is condensed to the fact that there was a whole sleepy first half and then a wake up second half. And there's only so much football time. The clock yep. runs eventually. So I've, um, my first would be Logan Hall followed up by Joe Tron Shank. Uh, you picked Logan Ryan, which is amazing. I think he's just, I think he's awesome. Um, yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at with, with the defense, this team as a whole, uh, we wanted to, we wanted to punch out so much excitement for you guys. Uh, here on Jolly Rogers and touchdowns, but you know what? Covering the team, you're emotionally invested whether this is your team or not. So mm-hmm. just that performance alone, the buildup of the home opener, the two 12s going at it for potentially the last time ever. There was just there's so many highs involved in this game for it to play out to a 14-12 fall short. It just was like I feel like I have no wind it was, a, it was a letdown. It was a letdown. I think that that's maybe, maybe we kind of started off the podcast by saying that. And I think that probably Bucks fans feel that. And maybe even Packers fans feel that. It just wasn't the show that you were expecting on either side of the ball. Okay, Casey, we got to run through it real fast. I'm going to give you my uh, quick offensive standout player. Maybe <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Cameron Bray. He got five grabs, 52 yes. yards. He had five of six. So uh, only one missed target. Um, he's my guy. I think that, you know, I think that he's a guy where I would like to see him utilized more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that doing the short passes might end up playing to this offensive strength. So Cameron Brait is my guy for today. He's my standout guy. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fabulous choice. And while some people may disagree, to some extent, Cameron Bray is all reliable. I mean, when Jameis Winston was his quarterback, he was one of the top targets to go to, and he got the job done. Not top targets over Mike Evans, but, you know, yeah. within his position, within reason, he was a top guy. Um, love that pick. Definitely second that. Uh, jokingly, I want to be like Tom Brady because he almost collected his third longest rushing yards of his career or something crazy along those lines. Uh. Yes, that got called back, you know, just why not? Why not? Um, and he's got the finger and he broke his knee brace and the drama, but he was very calm for all the things that were taking place. He was but, calm. You got to yeah. give him credit. Yeah, I give him credit, but he he's not going to be my top guy. It's going to be Russell Gage. Um, okay. Not just because he led in receptions and, and whatnot. It's because maybe fully healthy, I do feel like he can be a bigger force on this team. I liked some of the routes that I saw him execute. Yes, he did have a drop um, that was very costly, but everybody did. So at this point, it's just like pick your poison. Yep. Um, but, you know, he came up he came up in some big moments for this team. He made some grand catches. Um so whatever that extra, whatever that needs to be figured out between him, Tom Brady, or if it's the fact that he's just not healthy and he's pushing through things, he almost went out. I think he he probably – I wouldn't be surprised if the injury report says something different because that fall and his get-up and the small limp and then him lining back up to go back at it again, he stayed in there because this team could not manage, could not deal with losing anybody else today. But I think that that's probably going to hurt him uh, this week heading into uh, the Chiefs. So I got to go with Russell Gage to be mine. And then a short follow-up by Tom Brady and his dual-threat quarterback skills. Don't run, Brady. It just it hurts my soul. It hurts my heart. It takes me a yeah. while to just get my oxygen back. Just no You can more. throw the ball at 45. Just yeah. don't run. Don't, just no don't run. No need. We don't need that from you. Um, okay, Casey, wrapping up. We got to do a quick walk the plank and – I don't know if I have the energy to get overly fired up, but my walk the plank is going to be the offense and maybe the coaches because I do think that there just needs to be a little bit of a refresher, especially with the opponent that you have coming in this week. You cannot yes. rest on your laurels. You have to go in to this game prepared, mm -hmm. strategic. It is all about strategy. This is the NFL. You're not going to just outplay the other guy. Mm -hmm. You have to be strategic. You have to know what routes they're running. You have to know how to defend them, how to block them. You have to know what they're going to do, and you have to be able to change it. You yeah. have to be able to adjust to them. So, uh, yeah, offense and coaching staff, walk the plank. Walk it out. You don't have to stay in there long, but, like, take a quick cold dip, wake up, and Wait get up. prepared because yeah. there's a lot of work that needs to be done before next week. Um, something else that we agree on, um, not particularly the offense for me, even though, yes, they very much need to walk the plank. It's the coaching staff for me. It just, you've got to game. You, there, there needs to be some very realistic conversations taking place here. I understand everybody's hurt and banged up, but if you're going to have people on a snap count, then what does this offense look like without being I don't want to say predictable, but without, you know, abusing certain plays or putting yourself in predictable situ situations or, you know, not being able to come up with a better plan to execute and get first downs or, you know, to move past third downs and, and convert, 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 convert. There just has to be a better 
plan. They can go in motion. They can be adjusted to what they have. I understand that injuries happen, but if you look at this game today, Kaylee, something that blew my mind, every time there was a player down on the field, it was a Packers player. Packers are the ones that lost on the injury list today when it comes to in-game action versus versus yeah. the Bucks. Now, Bucks may have had silent, you know, boo-boos, but the way that things played out, you would have thought that they got down to their fourth strings by the second quarter because of in-game injuries, and that's not how that played out. So I think there needs to be a realistic conversation, a more realistic, simple, strategic, like you said, game plan that is, that is better executed. And I think it'll be more manageable to execute if there wasn't so much, you know, what it could have, should have, if, how, maybe going on. You know Scotty Miller can't catch. If this was Bruce Arians' team, circling back to what you said at the top, it used to be, you know, ball security is job security. Scotty, who I am a fan of, you know, or was a fan of, he hasn't been able to catch for weeks now. There's no way that he should still be getting those opportunities. Cole Beasley came in and made more of a performance than he did. And the biggest thing going against him is the fact that he's had three days to learn this system. Yep. Rashad Perriman should have been getting more catches. Russell Gage did plenty for whatever his situation may be, and that's between the coaches and Russell Gage, you know. But you came in with a seven-deep seven wide receiver group, and now what? You're still throwing to Scotty Miller, who's not making catches? So, Well, so that was your choice. You know, right. you're the one that let these different guys go. And, frankly, you, guys. you knew the guys that you were keeping were a little bit older and mm-hmm. frankly, a little bit more banged up. Like we didn't see much of the wide receiver core during training camp. Why they were banged up. You yeah. knew this, you knew this as the coaching staff going into yes, this, season. you knew who was banged up and you still chose not to put any young guys out there. Mm-hmm. That was your choice. That's fine. But now you got to stick by it. You have Perryman, you have Miller, you you have to make something work with the people yeah. that you have. And if Miller can't do the job, then you have to figure out somebody else who that can. This is your job to do. And at the end of the day, that's what it is. It is a job. Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't just for fun. Like it's not for just funsies anymore. This is yeah. your job. And in this job, you have to perform. You have mm-hmm. to perform in the field. You have to perform and it matters. And an offense that has three touchdowns in three games while your defense hasn't right. given up more than 14 points. That's it's not going to cut it. It's not nope. going to cut it. So yeah. So uh, I said, walk the plank for me coaching staff, go have a come hither, mo- come to Jesus moment, uh, get in that back room, have real conversations, real evaluations, and a real game plan that's going to, going to work for what you can work with, what you have. Yep. I don't want to hear any more excuses about the injuries because guess what? They're going to happen. They're happening across the league. You know, everybody. Yep. Across the league. Tua, the Miami Dolphins quarterback, was seeing stars and probably heaven today and came back in and rallied in the second half and helped his team beat the Buffalo Bills. And, yes, half of their secondary was out, but still – you have yep. to be realistic and have a better game plan. So whew, that almost got my blood pressure up all, well, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Jolly Rogers and touchdown fans, I hope that we entertained but did not disappoint. I do think there's hope. I think there's room to grow and there's room to get better. And there is going to be a lot more action-packed football this season as the Bucks move forward into week four. And of course, 
We will have all of the coverage for you with new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. And of course, you can follow us throughout the week to get little sneak peeks, interviews. We might even have a special episode dropping this week. Be sure to check your phone on Tuesday. Uh, but we also, again, have uh, Instagram and Twitter. So follow us, Jolly Rogers TDS. You can follow Casey and I. I'm Kaylee Mizell on social media platforms. Casey is at the Sports Case K A S E. Shout out to our fantastic producer James. And thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next time on Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns.